like, like Brother Dale said, I, I've been a part of Temple for a while now. Uh, my family's been a part of Temple for a long time. Uh, I see a lot of familiar faces. I know a lot of you recognize me. Um, and I, I've been part of the youth group. I've been part of the college group the last four years uh, and just graduated a few weeks ago. And so when I tell you it's a great privilege and honor to get to share with you tonight, I, I mean it. I've heard a lot of, a lot of sermons in these, hall, in these walls um, from that, that pulpit right there. Uh, and it's, it's a great privilege to get to share with you tonight um, what God's laid on my heart. And you know, I, I love the story of the Japanese pilot in World War II who was a member of the kamikazes. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the kamikaze pilots were the ones that were infamous for their tactics in World War II of uh, flying their aircraft into uh, their, their targets, um, thereby giving their lives in the service of their country. Um, they, were, they normally flew in a kind of stripped-down aircraft. They were packed with cheap explosives, and a lot of times... Um, with only enough fuel to get them to the fight. Um, and there was this one particular pilot who garnered a little bit of attention nearing the end of the war uh, for having flown in 50 missions. And if, if you're like me and you're, you're kind of smart, um, when I say that, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It doesn't make much sense for a kamikaze pilot, one who was, was supposed to give their life as they accomplished their mission, to have flown in 50 missions. Like, that doesn't make logical sense. It sounds like an oxymoron, like, a, like a, a veteran kamikaze pilot, an experienced suicide pilot, right? And, and nearing the end of the war, um, a reporter actually got wind of this, this story of this man and approached him to ask him exactly that, um, sat down with the pilot and said, you know, how is it that you, quite frankly, are still alive? How is it that you have flown in this many missions and are still kicking. And I think the, the pilot's response was pretty profound. The pilot said, you know, I guess you could say that I was very involved, but I was not very committed. I was very involved, but when push came to shove, when time came for me to fly my plane into my, my, my target, I just I didn't have the commitment. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go through with it. Um, and tonight, I believe... Uh, for us who have been, I, listen, I know I'm, I'm speaking to the Sunday night crowd, right? Um, these are, these are, we're, we're dedicated, we're, we're here on Sunday night. Um, that's, that's representative of something even greater than, in my mind, just an average you know, Sunday morning attendee. But I think that, that for us specifically, um, for us who have been followers of Christ for a long time, uh, the temptation is uh, to slip into mere involvement with God and with things of God instead of sold-out true commitment to Him. Um, and I want to I take a look tonight at a passage of Scripture where Jesus, quite plainly, and I'm, I'm thankful for how plain He is, it helps out a Louisiana boy like me, uh, for Jesus to be plain. Um, he plainly lays out for us what a committed follower of Him should look like. Um, so if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 24 and 25. And uh, I'm going to read the Scripture real quick, and I'm going to pray just real quick. Real fast, I need as much prayer as I can get, and we're going to jump right in. Sound good? All right. So, um, starting verse 24 of Matthew chapter 16, just two verses. Uh, then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would just um, be in this place tonight. Lord, be with me. Give me the words. Um, but Lord, I pray that, that as, we, as we look at, look at what you're telling us tonight, 
um, that we can see in our own lives areas where we have maybe uh, slipped into to mere involvement with you, Lord, and that we would recommit ourselves to what, what you say a follower of you should look like, what someone who would come after you would look like. Um, Lord, give us eyes to see where we, we come up short. We know we all do, Father, at times, but uh, I ask that you would bring that to light this evening. And it's your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> and okay, so the first thing uh, that kind of stuck out to me about this passage when I was, when I was looking at it, and I, I started to kind of feel like this is where I should, I should kind of set up camp to begin preparing, um, I, I realized pretty quickly that this, this actual passage or, uh, these words of Jesus are, are recorded in every single one of the Gospels in some capacity. Um, one, in John, it's, it's not word for word. It's not this exact account. But in all three of the other Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, these words are almost like the exact same when, Jesus, or when uh, they're recording them. So they're very important. Um, and I think that this kind of stuck out to the disciples, or the, ones, the writers of the Gospels, whenever they were recording... Um, what they remembered, or the, the stories of Jesus that they could recall, that the Spirit was leading them to record, all of them mentioned this. So it's obviously very important, and something about it, something about um, the Spirit reminding them of it, tells me that it's, it's, it's pretty important. And the first thing that Jesus tells us here is that if you want to come after Him, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and this idea of denying ourselves is pretty prevalent throughout Scripture. Uh, you see it everywhere. Even back to the Old Testament, you see great failures of it, great successes of it. Um, an example of a failure would be David in Bathsheba. His, his inability to deny himself um, of, of the pleasure, the, the, his, his desire to go after this, this woman that wasn't his. Um, and he failed, and we see the repercussions of that. Um, he failed to deny himself that. And then we see great successes of it. One of the great successes of the Old Testament in uh, Abraham and Isaac, whenever Abraham was called by God to, to lay aside his own son, uh, for God to be able to see whether or not Abraham was as committed to God, was committed to God above all things, that he would be willing to deny himself anything in order to follow God and God's will for his life. And he succeeded. Um, and Isaac was spared, and it was an incredible story, and God blessed him through that. So this idea of denying ourselves is not one that's, that's really foreign. And here at, here at Temple, I've gotten the, the privilege to teach 7th grade Sunday school for the last year and a half. And it's, it's been fun. Um, we, have some, uh, we chase some interesting rabbits when you get in a room of, of 7th graders and start trying to unpack God's Word. You, you, can, you can get kind of all over the place. But over that time... One, one of the questions that I've asked them the most has kind of stemmed from this idea of denying yourself. I'll ask them things like, okay, guys, what is it that in order for you to follow God and what you know God's calling you to do, are you going to have to give up? What is it that you're going to have to lay aside in order to pursue God's will in your life, in order to do what God's calling you to do? What are some things you're going to have to give up? And for the most part, they, they have really good answers to this. Um, they'll say things like, you know, Andrew, sports, it's, it's all I think about. It's all that I, I'm focused on. It, it, it takes up all of my time um, thinking about them, playing them. And, and I know that if I'm, if I'm really going to give my life to what God's calling me to do, I'm probably going to have to take a step back from my, my dedication to my sports. Or uh, another one that I get a lot is, you know, I just, I just want to be popular. I want to fit in. Um, that's a... Working with youth, that's a, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for everybody, but especially for these 7th graders. You know, they'll tell me, um, being popular 
and following God, they, they don't really line up where I'm going to school. Um, it's, not, it's not the popular thing to do to, to live a life of commitment to Christ. And, and the reason I tell you that is, is because this, this idea of denying ourselves is, is not one that's incredibly advanced. Um, even though the seventh graders absolutely blow me away with how much they know sometimes, um, seventh graders do know this. Uh, they recognize that in order to follow Christ, there are things that we have to give up. Um, and there's things that you and I have to give up. But I think here, specifically, Jesus is talking to, to more than just denying ourselves certain things. Um, he's speaking uh, to a lifestyle shift that should be evident in the, in the lives of committed followers of Him. Uh, when He says, deny yourself and take up your cross, He's saying that in the life of a believer, the, there should be this, this constant repetitive decision of saying no to myself, saying no, denying myself, and saying yes to God's will for my life and taking up my cross. Uh, that, should be, that should be what defines a believer, a follower of Christ. Um, and, and I know this because it happens to Jesus too, right? Um, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, what, what does He pray? Uh, he gets down on his knees and, and he looks at what, what God has planned for him. He, literally his cross in front of him. And he says, God, I, I, I just, if there's any other way. Um, if there's some alternative m- method of payment. If there's some other way that we can, we can win these people back to us. Uh, Lord, now's the time to tell me. Please pass this cup from me. And... Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with Jesus not wanting to die in that moment. Uh, it's just, I mean, people don't want to die. I mean, nobody in here wants to die. But um, where, where the problem kind of arose was that God was calling him to this. That's exactly what Jesus says. He, he says, you know, even though I don't want to go through with this, your will, God, not mine. Um, that was ultimately the, the move that he made. And so I know that if, if Jesus has to go through with it, and he's telling us this, then, then it's, it's got to show up in my life. Over and over and over. Um, because what, what was the cross for Jesus? And when, when he tells us to get, take up our cross, um, immediately, obviously, uh, and rightly so, many of us think of Jesus dying for our sins, right? When we think of the cross, that's what we think of automatically. Um, but the cross represented for Jesus uh, what God had in, in store for him. His plan for Jesus' life was to take on this cross. Um, this was the... the the mission that God had given him. And so when I hear Jesus tell us to take up our cross, uh, what I'm hearing is, is that, that God has a mission and a purpose and a plan in mind for each and every one of us. And uh, Luke, in his account of this, in Luke chapter 9, he actually uh, has a little bit of insight and, and says he adds on the word daily. Right? He says, um, for anyone who would come after me, in his, his account of Jesus' words, he said, if anybody would come after me, let them deny themselves... And take up their cross daily. And so that speaks to this idea that the life of a committed believer is the life of one that is constantly saying no to themselves and yes to Christ. Yes to what, what God has in store for them. Yes to whatever obstacles or, or, or purpose God has given us each and every day. And it's a lifestyle. Because uh, let, let's take, for instance, um, another type of uh, a healthy lifestyle. I don't know why anybody would do this to themselves. Um, I like pizza and ice cream way too much to pursue any kind of healthy lifestyle. But if you were to to do a healthy lifestyle, uh, there are some choices that you have to make each and every day, right? Um, And if if there are those of you in here who are are trying to pursue a healthier 
lifestyle. You can probably look back over the last couple days even and say, you know, we had, we had pie yesterday and I had, to, I had to pass it up. I couldn't do it. Um, I, I, can't, I can't eat certain things because I'm trying to be healthy. Uh, I'm pursuing this lifestyle. And you can, you can look back and, and see it, even in, probably within the last 24 hours, where you had to make a conscious decision to not do one thing so that you could be healthy. Or, you know, you can't sit, on, sit down and watch TV all day. You've got to go work out. You've got you to gotta make a decision to, to go lift weights or go walk or go run or whatever it is you may do. You had to forego one thing for another. And in the same way, a lifestyle of a committed follower of Christ, not one who's merely involved with Christ, we'll get to that in a second, but one that is committed to Christ is one that constantly is making decisions to do what God has in mind for them, not what they would have themselves do, not what's easy for them, not, not what's simple for them. And these kind of things should, should show up everywhere. You should be able to look back and, and remember where you had to make a decision, um, even recently, that was more about building God's kingdom than building your own. You, you should be able to look back and remember that kind of stuff. And um, we will constantly have those kind of decisions we have to make in our lives. Um, and I, I know, so for me, um, this, is, this has been really challenging for me to look at um, as I've been preparing because I, I recently graduated um, from Louisiana Tech a few weeks ago um, towards the end of February. So I've been kind of looking back a little bit at uh, how my college years have gone, uh, just, just naturally, like I'm, I'm done at Tech, uh, just kind of reflecting on my life. And it kind of almost stemming all the way back to my junior year of high school. Uh, my junior year of high school is where I began to kind of feel uh, God moving in my life and maybe calling me to a, a ministerial position um, because really I, that's God's way of, of showing me that was, was very different than like Dr. Reggie's, for instance. Uh, Dr. Reggie, y'all, y'all have all heard, heard the story of him um, being called to preach at that revival Sunday and preaching the next Sunday. Uh, my call was pretty different from that. Um, God began to lay on my heart um, a, a love of ministry, and through circumstances and opportunities and people He's put in my life, He's He's continued to affirm that and and lead me to to know with certainty that that's where He wanted me to be. That's what He wanted me to do. And so I, I've lived in light of that call. And when you look at a a passage of scripture like this, you can almost view my life broadly as a taking up of my cross. God wants me to be a minister. God wants me to do um, to, to serve Him in a church as a preacher or a minister or whatever it may be. And uh, that's God's call on my life. And that's me taking up that cross in my life. And while that is true and that's good, as I've looked over the last few years, I also wonder, um, even though I've been... I've been owning that cross, and I've been telling people for a long time that I want to go into ministry, I think there are daily decisions that I missed out on. Um, as I look at my, my, my tech years, uh, and even some of the later years of high school, I think there are opportunities that I've missed out on. Um, God's, like, like smaller crosses, if you will, for me to take up day in and day out. Um, and you know, just I just wonder how different uh, lives of some of the people that are close to me or were close to me would be, um, how different the lives of just anybody I've come in contact with would be had I 
been listening to God and said no to myself in certain moments throughout the last few years and said yes to God, I think that I've missed out on a lot. Um, that's not something that I'm, I'm happy about, but, but as, I've, as I've looked at this, this passage, I've been convicted by it. And I've, I've almost wanted to commit myself anew to taking up my cross every day. You know, I want, I want to live a life uh, similar to what Jesus is calling us to here, a, a life of commitment, not a life of mere involvement. Because don't get me wrong, I was involved every single day. You know, I was, I was getting the, the text from the college ministry. I was going to Wednesday nights. I was going to Sunday mornings. I was around. Uh, I, there, wasn't, there wasn't like periods of time where I just wouldn't show up. I was involved the whole time. But I think that the true commitment to Christ demands a little bit more than that. Um, that's what I see here is, is this daily walk that should be evident and, and visible and obvious in the lives of people that follow Him in a committed way. And so uh, that, that kind of brings us to the, the final point that Jesus makes in this first verse, uh, verse 24. He says, to follow me. Um, and, and I'll be honest, when I, when I was looking at this, I was kind of a little a little confused for a minute by this, by Jesus telling us to follow him. And you say, why? Um, it was because as I, as I prepared and I started to, you know, kind of pick apart what it meant to deny myself and to take up my cross, um, it felt like following God. Like, like, deny, like, why did Jesus not just say, deny yourself, take up your cross? Um, and, and so it, it kind of it confused me for a little while. And, and to illustrate a little bit, I've, I've got a little bit of, an illustration. To illustrate it, I have an illustration. That's good. Uh, so I, I have a pet peeve. Um, some of you might be able to relate to this. Uh, maybe, maybe not all of you. But it seems like, so every time I'm with some of my friends or I'm with uh, a group of people and we decide we're going to go somewhere, um, there's times when that place that we're going to go, I don't know where it is, right? Uh, and I, So I'll say that. I'll be like, okay, guys, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, that sounds like... Like, like, we should go there. I don't know how to get there, though. So what do they say? They're always, one of my, you know, somebody gracious in the room says, oh, you can follow me, right? You can, you can just hop in your car. I'm going to be going. You can follow me. And so that's, that's the plan. Sounds foolproof, right? Um, so I hop in my car, and I'm following this person who told me that they're going to they're lead me wherever we're going. And everything's going great. And then it seems like every single time we start to come up on a traffic light, right? And... We're moving towards traffic lights. The person's still in front of me. And there, there's kind of this, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's kind of this like this sweet spot uh, several yards from the light where you know that if it was to turn yellow, you were going to be able to make it anyway. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. All of you, all of you know what I'm talking about. There's this point where even if the light turns yellow, I'm good to go. I can just pedal to the metal and make it. It seems like every single time when I'm following this person, right before I get to that spot, it turns yellow. And my, my friend, being the, the gracious person that they are, slows down and stops. And so I get to stop behind him at the red light. No, that, that never happens. They always know that they're in the sweet spot and they hit the pedal to the metal, right? They're, they're gone. They beat the light every time. And me, being the law-abiding citizen that I am, cannot follow them, right? Um, and I feel like this happens to me every single time that I'm supposed to be following somebody. I mean, am I, am I the only one with, with, with bad friends that leave me in the dust? No? Okay, okay. Uh, if you are my friend in here, y'all are great. Sorry. Um, but happens to me every time. 
And the, the problem with that and why it makes me so mad every time is because without, without being able to see them, without being able to, to follow them, I can't get to where I'm supposed to be going, right? Uh, so I'll call them and I'll tell them, hey, look, can you pull off to the side or something? I don't know why you did this. You're crazy. You know that I'm following you. I don't know why you would leave me back here. Um, and, and so in, in light of that, I, I think that what Jesus is telling us here when he says, follow me, is that... Um, for us to follow Him, we have to, we have to know where He is. We have to know what He's calling us to. And so what this looks like to me is, is us, as, as committed followers of Christ, just asking God over and over to show us where He is, where He wants us to be. Um, if we're to follow Him, we need to be seeking Him in every moment. And we need to be seeking Him in people, in situations, uh, in environments, we need to be asking God to show Himself uh, because He tells us He's with us. It's not, it's not that He's leaving us in the dust like my friend at the red light. He's not doing that to us. Um, but I think that living in, in a secular world, um, it's, it's hard for us to see Jesus all the time. I mean, is that, is that fair to say? As we go about our business uh, week in and week out, Jesus might show up few and far between if, if we're not looking for Him. Um, and as we go about our daily lives, because remember, it's a daily walk. Um, the committed life to Christ is, is daily. And so for you and I, as we live this committed life, we should be seeking God and praying and asking God to show Himself to us so that we can better follow Him. Because um, that's the only way we're going to be able to see Him, to follow Him, is if we ask Him to show Himself to us. And so... Um, kind of in closing, kind of to look at this, this last, this last um, verse, verse 25. This, this is the good stuff. Um, this is the promise that we have if we commit ourselves to following Christ. It says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And church, can we, can we deny our lives? Can we deny ourselves and take up our crosses for Him? Can we deny ourselves to take up our crosses for the one who denied himself and took up his cross on our behalf? Um, the promise that we have here in this scripture is that, <clears throat> that this, is, this is the only source of life. This is, this is the only way for us to find life is, is to sell ourselves out to Jesus and to be committed to him and to follow him in everything that we do. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about this, this passage is... Um, obviously written by Matthew, uh, but the likely date that he wrote this probably fell somewhere between 50 and 60 A.D. Um, and, and if you look at the life of Matthew, you discover that this was probably the roughest time for him as a follower of Christ. Um, this was the time that he came under the most persecution, the most um, vehement attacks against him. Uh, it was in this 10-year span where he was likely recording these words. And... You know, he, he can see probably better than a lot of us where a sold-out committed life to Christ will take you. <laughs> um, it's not easy. Uh, it's, not, it's not always, we're not going to deny ourselves and choose things that we're always going to want. Remember, Jesus had to deny himself and choose the thing he wanted least, the cross. I mean, he, he did not want the cross. And we're not going to want all the time what God desires of us. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And I'm sure that Matthew didn't want to be where he was when he recorded these words, except 
for the, the sole reason that it's where God wanted him to be. Um, and if he can record these words and, and still stay, still say and stand by the fact that, that, that giving his life to Christ was the only way that he could find it, and you and I can do that here. Um, and, and so the, the challenge of tonight is you and I all have things that we've probably given up in the past. Um, I mean, that's, that's what giving your life to Christ is. It's, it's dying to your old way of life. Um, and so we get that. There's things that we've given up. But even so, there may be things that we need to lay aside and say, start saying no to on a consistent basis in order for us to, to truly follow Christ in a committed way. Um, and maybe it's just you need to do a better job of, of looking at your life and what good things are standing between you and what God is calling you to do. Um, I know there are in my life. Um, I've been challenged by this text to look at my life and, and ask myself, what are some things uh, that, that aren't necessarily bad that no outsider would look at and say, um, why is he doing that? Uh, but still are in the way of me, me really, really accomplishing what God has for me. Because um, I think daily there are things that kind of get in the way. Uh, I think there's opportunities I've missed because I wanted to be comfortable. I think there's opportunities that I've missed because I was worried I didn't know what to say. Um, and and God, God promises us that, that living in a way that submits ourself, His desire is the only way to life. Um, and in closing, the, the, words, the words of the famous hymn, for, for some reason, kept coming up in my mind as I was, as I was preparing for this, written by Helen Lemmel um, in 1921. Uh, the words, you'll remember them. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and these things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite, favorite courses from any hymn. Um, and I, I think that, that what, what we can hold on to and what we can cling to is that as we begin to deny ourselves, as we begin uh, to turn away from certain things that, that probably make us uncomfortable or uh, are, are difficult, for us to turn our backs on, we can trust that as we get as, as we do that and we follow Jesus more and more, uh, it's gonna it's gonna get easier and easier. Uh, those things that would would pull us into mere involvement, things that would would keep us from from living committed lives of Christ, um, they pale in comparison um, to the goodness and the glory of God of Jesus and of following Him. So can we do that? Can we can we dedicate ourselves to committed following of Christ and, and, and try to put to death the things in our life that would drag us into mere involvement this week and for the rest of our days. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, I thank you for your promises, Lord. That this, is, this is the way to life. This is how we find life is, is by giving our lives completely to you. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be challenged to get rid of the things in our lives that, that Lord, um, pull us into mere involvement. We, we know that, Lord, in the same way that there's no such thing as a, a kamikaze. Like, you're not even a kamikaze if, if, you, if you never give your life. Um, Lord, in the same way, you're, you're, not, you're not even really a follower of Christ if, if you're merely involved. Um, Lord, we know that we all fail and mess up, but um, that... That should not be the end. Lord, we ask that you would 
you would challenge us, that you would show us yourself in such a way that it compels us, compels us to follow you daily and to daily say no to ourselves and yes to you. Lord, um, thank you for this opportunity. Um, Thank you for your word. In your name I pray. Amen.